Hallelujah. Father, I'm just so thankful to be here with family. Father, we're so thankful for what you're doing here. We're so thankful for what you have in store. God, we're so happy. We're so excited, Lord. We come to give you worship and honor. <sighs> Amen. 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 I obviously forgot to put my microphone on, so that's all right. I'll use this one. Hello. Are you happy? If you're not, the Holy Spirit wants to help you. He's your glory and the lifter of your head. And it's so good to see your faces. God bless you. You know, I, um, I've been away uh, over in the U.S. visiting some of our, our churches. We have uh, Glory City Church Atlanta over there that began in June. And we have um, Glory City, we have Glory Gathering in um, Statesboro. And while I was there, um, we also were able to be involved in planting a new church in Grovetown. Hallelujah, with Mark Blankenbeckler and um, Pastor Ron Fernio in Augusta, Georgia, has come and approached us and asked if they could also plant Glory City, Augusta. So it's just amazing to me. I mean, if God had told me back when I you know, first started that this was going to happen, I wouldn't have even been able to see it on the grid. But there's many people now asking to join our network. Hallelujah. And now we have a network. Thank you, God. <laughs> so we also have Glory City Church um, in the Sunshine Coast. Uh, I myself am part of the apostolic team with HIM. Uh, so I relate to, to Cheyenne and um, that whole Revival Alliance team with Bill Johnson and Randy Clark and um, George and Winnie Banov and Heidi and Roland Baker and uh, John and Carol are not. So we are in good company. Hallelujah. And it's a network of networks. And so we're very grateful the way the Holy Spirit is just setting us up. But it was so lovely to be in uh, Glory City, Atlanta. Um, All of those pastors there. Pastor Tony Thompson is moving up from Statesboro up to Atlanta to take that one on. And um, the team there, they do communion like we do. We spoke to them about that. We speak, try to speak to them most Mondays. Uh, Joel and I have a Skype meeting with them. And they, we really want them to catch the DNA and to, just to be in a service was just so delightful. And to watch them to get together in their communion groups and, and share communion. And then uh, Nathaniel and Haley uh, did a evangelism training course for them on the Saturday and they all went out and they were so excited to testify about just becoming love on the streets. And it was just so beautiful to see. And so God's been doing so many things. I did uh, 21 meetings in uh, 21 days. Hallelujah. Uh, but I did have a couple of days off, did two meetings on some days. Hallelujah, because Tom won't let me go more than seven days without having a rest because he says I'm not smarter than God. And uh, yes, and that's very true. <laughs> so, but praise the Lord, it was very busy, but I appreciate those of you who were interceding uh, with me, uh, for me. So, so, so grateful. The people that got healed and saved and delivered and to hear the testimonies of people who were healed last time uh, is, was just so exciting. And I got to share with them, uh, I was talking uh, specifically to our, our churches. Um, I went to many other churches as well. We had the opportunity to be on TV uh, in Augusta and in Atlanta and um, then ended up being uh, doing, I think we did four different TV appearances, including a whole night of what they call the Augusta Awakening. They asked me to come and preach and to heal the sick on, on camera and pray for the demonstrate the, the power of God. 
And, uh, and he did. God showed up. And it was glorious. And people got healed. And so, yay for God. Isn't that amazing? And it gets seen all over the world. And I just shake my head and go, Jesus, you're so smart. He's so clever the way that he sets things up. And I'm so grateful. Uh, we, this book is actually not officially released until October 1st. Um, but they, get, they sent me some while I was in the US. And so I bought a box home. They're 38 pound. So it's very heavy. So there's only a few of them. The rest will arrive actually in a few couple of weeks, maybe one or two weeks. We'll have them available for the summit and the conference. Now, if you haven't heard of Mark Sharona, you want to come to the conference. He is quite astounding in his prophetic gift and his preaching. The revelation is just mind-blowing. So you'll have a lot of fun. But I was sharing with the churches over there, you know, just speaking about uh, what it is to, to really become love and to show people m- the manifestation of who Jesus is, this wonderful God, and talking about what God's doing. I just got a, um, a letter back, too, from Phil Norris, just talking about he just did a report up for his churches to say what he experienced here, and it was just beautiful, saying you know he really believes we're either in revival or about to see it, and um, just talking about what they've learned from uh, to take back to, to their places to, to talk about what it is to really um, see evangelism as a lifestyle. And he said it, one of the most remarkable things was the way that they love each other. And I thought, oh, yes, Jesus. That's what we want to see. But I was uh, just sharing with the people from the book of James where it talks about, you know, be doers of the word, not hearers only. And the fact that we are in this incredible awakening where God is really waking us up, causing us to be aware. I feel like the word awareness is a really big one for me at the moment, just being aware. I don't want to get to heaven and, you know, find out all the things that I was just blind to, that I need, God really wanted me to be aware of people and things and the spirit realm. And just I'm praying for an awareness and I'm really seeing the Holy Spirit do that, awaken us to the reality so that we, we see instead of just walking into the, the shop, you know, feeling a bit tired or, you know, on a mission to get whatever you need, being aware of the, of the environment, being aware that you are walking with him, being aware of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and becoming a doer of the word. I used to read that uh, scripture and get condemned, I, you know, be doers of the word. If you're not a doer of the word, then you're not, then you're deceiving yourself. And, you know, the doer of the word, the word is huge. I mean, he says, greater works shall they do. Lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. You know, if you're not doing these things, I used to read that scripture as though, well, shame on you. You need to try harder. But the reality is that the scripture tells us that if you're not a doer of the word, it's because you're like a man that's looked at himself in the mirror and forgotten what he looked like. And the, the truth is that God's not up there saying, shame on you for not doing everything you're supposed to do. Shame on you for not being more Christ-like. He's saying it's simply that you've forgotten what you look like. And he wants to show you in the mirror of his presence. You know, the Bible also tells us that we all with unveiled faces behold as in a mirror the glory of God. And that, what do you see when you look in a mirror? You see yourself. <laughs> Jesus is normally always the right answer. That's what Bill would say. But no, when you look in a mirror, you see yourself. He says, when you behold him, you're beholding him as in a mirror. Are you awake? Hallelujah. 
God's saying that if you're not being a doer of the word, it's because you need to look in the mirror. You need to look in, into who he is and see who he is. You know, um, First Peter, uh, cha- uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 says that he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. We have all of this and it comes through knowing him, through seeing him, through being intimately acquainted with him. And it's that awakening that is actually causing us to become aware of the fact that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and what that actually means. You know, a lot of us have this revelation in our heads, but I believe that in this season right now, the Holy Spirit is cracking it through right down into the application level where it's becoming becoming love, becoming a manifestation of who God is, aware and awake to the reality that such as I have, I can give. Hallelujah. God is wanting to take us beyond the place where we theoretically understand him to where we are, well, not that we could theoretically understand him, but where we, we understand certain truths to where suddenly oh, we're realizing that God is love, When I look at him, he is love. Love is defined as patient and kind and long-suffering, all these things. When I look at him, that's who I am. Therefore, I'm not trying to be patient. I'm not trying to be kind. I am patient. I am kind. Oh, Waking up instead of trying to be good, you're recognizing, whoa, I've actually been made the sinless one. Hallelujah. Ooh. But yeah, I like what Brian Simmons said. You know, he says, don't be unequally yoked, is what God tells us. Why would, he un- why would he unequally yoke his son? And out, out, of the, out of the body of Christ, a new Eve came, a new bride came. We get born again with a new nature. Hallelujah. We get born again as people who are no longer slaves to sin, no longer uh, held into a bondage of a corrupt nature, a corrupt spiritual DNA, but we get internally changed. Hallelujah. He was bruised for our iniquities, iniquities being our crookedness. Hallelujah. He was internally crushed for our crookedness so that we could be born again of a new nature, a new spiritual DNA. We become born again. And what that actually means. Hallelujah. So that, um, that was quite fun. People were having the pennies drop all over the place and it was a very good thing. But I want to share with you um, just a psalm that I was reading today from Psalm 71. We have our family devotions in the morning. We just read around the table. Everybody reads a scripture. And this was mine. Today I'm reading from the Passion Translation. By the way, Brian has released Proverbs. It came out last Saturday. So if you're interested, you can go get that. Um, I'm reading here just from verse 19 says here, for your glorious righteousness reaches up to the high heavens. No one could ever be compared to you. Who is your equal, O God of marvels and wonders? Even though you've let us sink down with trials and troubles, I know you will revive us again, lifting us up from the dust of death. Give us even more majesty than before. Turn and comfort us once again, my loving God. The harp in my heart will praise you. Your faithful heart toward us will be the theme of my song. Melodies and music will rise to you, the Holy One of Israel. I will shout and sing your praises for all you are to me. Savior, righteous redeemer, lover of my soul. You know, I just was so struck by the 
term, the harp in my heart. And you know, I, I truly believe that everything in the kingdom is uh, a response. That God doesn't ask us to do anything that he doesn't first give us. He says we love because he first loved us. Uh, you know, we have nothing except that he's already given it to us. And he doesn't expect us to worship except that he provokes us. So he doesn't expect you as, as the harp to, to make music without him coming with a provocation. You know, he's, he comes and makes our heartstrings resonate. And he does it by revelation. He does it in so many beautiful ways. You know, the Spirit of God comes to reveal Jesus in ever-increasing ways to us because the Father is looking for worshipers who worship him in spirit and truth. That is, those who will hear the Holy Spirit revealing the one who is truth. And as Jesus is revealed to us, our hearts are provoked to worship and true worship comes forth. Hallelujah. So we become worshipers who are responding, who are provoked by God. And he's offering that provocation to us all the time. And it comes by, he'll speak to us, he'll say, in everything give thanks. Because you start giving thanks and your heart suddenly gets provoked. Ah, yes, you are so good, Jesus. We enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. We enter his courts with praise. You just begin to give thanks and your heart will be provoked. You start to worship God and begin to think about who he is. Savior, Redeemer, Majesty. Ah. The Holy Spirit reveals who he is to us in a new level and our hearts go, ah! they sing, hallelujah. He causes our heart strings to resonate. And you know, the Spirit of God is looking for us to be uh, learning and being aware of what it is to have Jesus really as our closest friend. I remember just a, a few days ago, I was out talking to the Lord and um, I started singing, he, sta he asked me to sing for him. So I started singing, I often sing songs that start with, I love you or something about Jesus because um, that's what I want to say. And I started singing, Jesus, that old one, lover of my soul, Jesus, I will never let you go. You've taken me from the miry clay. Set my feet upon the rock, and now I know I love you, I need you. Though my world may fall, I'll never let you go. My Savior, my closest friend. I will worship you until the very end. But you know, as I began to sing that song, I, I, I started to realize that's got some pretty big statements in it. And as I'm being awakened, as I'm really coming aware, and you know, I just, I just love um, the writers of those songs. They're just, it's just a beautiful expression, and I understand where it's coming from. But I felt the Holy Spirit really just begin to show me. You know, I, I'd say things like, A, I want to be careful from saying I'll never let you go. The reality is he'll never let me go. And though I don't want to end up like Peter and say, I'll never let you go, Jesus. <laughs> it's like, oh, Jesus, you know me. <laughs> and I love you. And you'll never let me go. But 
I began to sing, you know, my closest friend. And I stopped and I thought about it. And I thought about it. You know, he is. He's the most important person in my life. Yet, do I really treat him as my closest friend? You know, God's wanting to take us out of a a deception, a haze, where we think, yes, this is what I want. Yeah, this is what I believe. This is what, into an application. Bringing it right down now and out. Where we not only receive it and, and agree with it, but we actually metabolize it spiritually and cause it to be outworked through us. Hallelujah. I, I, want, I want him to be my closest friend in a practical way where every moment of every day I'm aware of his presence. Where, you know, the Bible talks, Paul prays for the church that they would know the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, that we'd really understand what it is to fellowship with God, to really spend time with him. You know, sometimes we... we talk about spending time with God and and feel condemned. Well, God, yeah, that's another thing I should be doing and I just don't do enough of it. You know, if you're thinking like that, stop. Because if if you're on that track, you'll never spend enough time with God and you'll always feel condemned. And the enemy will use it as an excuse to try and make you feel like you're unqualified to actually do anything for Jesus. That's a works mentality. But the reality is you get to spend time with Jesus. And any time that you do spend with him, his heart just, ah. You know, we're the apple of his eye, the Bible says. The apple of his eye is God's soft spot. You are God's soft spot. You actually, you alone, as a created human, you alone have the capacity to move the heart of God. So you go and spend time with God. Yes, I need to spend some time. I should. It's my obligation. I need to spend some time. And he's like, oh, I'm so happy to see you. And he's wanting to awaken us to the reality that he's not looking at you and he's not mad at you for not having spent enough time yesterday. He's, he's there going, oh, I'm so, I, the term he is jealous for us takes on a new understanding when you get to when you get to understand the heart of God as a lover he's not jealous in a human way where he's he's like well I'm so mad that you've been looking at all those other things and you've been distracted by all the other things in your life and you haven't been spending enough time with me I used to interpret the jealousy of God like that but the jealousy of God is like Oh, I just so want to spend time with you. I so love having time with you. His heart is just, ah, oh, if only you knew how much this means to me. That is, I think, a better way to describe it. I think our English word is not fully expressing the heart of God toward us. When he says that he is jealous for us, his desire, his joy He gets so much joy out of spending time with you. His delight ah, is to surround you and conquer you with his love. Psalm 23 in the Passion Translation. You know, though I walk through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will not conquer me for you already have. Ah. 
And that's the truth. The perfect love of God, he just so wants to saturate you with it. He wants to wake you with his goodness. He wants to minister life and joy to you so that every moment of every day you are walking not out of a a, a deep need to, to be affirmed or to be accepted, but out of an overflowing joy that, mm, he's so for me. <laughs> God is looking to spend time with you every day so he can feed you from his banqueting table. He says, I lay a banqueting table before you in the presence of your enemies. And yet most of us don't even bother getting up and eating it. If you're going through a tough time, is he, is he your closest friend? If he is, he says, well, here I've got the banqueting table laid out for you. Come and eat of it. I want you to eat of my hope and my joy and my peace that passes understanding. I want you to taste mm, of all the goodness that I've got for you so that I can come with perfect peace and, and perfect love that casts out all fear. Release in you the joyful anticipation of good. Hallelujah. Release in you a, a faith that says, yes, he makes all things work together for my good. Hallelujah. You know, I've had uh, discussions with people that have, have said, well, you know, uh, we can't afford to, you know, be too triumphalist um, in, in, you know, we've got to recognize people do go through hard things and we've got to equip them for that. But my, my, my answer would be, you know, who helps those going through a hard time better? The one that gives them hope or the one that gives them sympathy? I believe, you know, there are, there are things that happen, things that go wrong. You know, bad stuff happens to good people. But the truth is, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he always manifested himself as the answer to anyone who came to him. We can only build on the rock. Otherwise, we have to create a new religion. Shaka Mahasa. Where else are you going to go? He alone has the words of life. Hallelujah. And the heart of God is truly to provoke your heart to begin to sing. You know, if you're going through a hard time, if you're going through a difficult thing, Psalm 38 says that, you know, my deepest desires, my greatest longings are my deepest desires. My tears are liquid words and you can read them all. He understands. He gets you. He knows. He, he, he hurts when you hurt. He weeps with you when you weep. But he comes not just to, to comfort you. He comes to comfort you with some hope. Hallelujah. He comes to comfort you and tell you, listen, I make all things work together for your good. As you give me your ashes, I'm going to release beauty. Hallelujah. He comes to bring joy where there's been mourning. He comes to restore your soul so that when you go about your daily life, no matter what you are walking through, instead of going out with these big gaping wounds and these big needs for, for comfort and love and affirmation, he wants, he is jealous to fill those needs utterly and completely to overflowing. God is jealous to fill your need for comfort. If we would grasp it and go and get it, you wouldn't have addiction. God so wants to fill your perfect, your, your need. He wants to fill it perfectly within whatever need you have for love. Whether it be a need for, for 
you know, the love of good friends or, or family or mother, father, sister, brother, lover, whatever you are longing for and feel like you're not getting, God wants to meet it in such an overwhelming way that he fills all in all. And that when you go out, instead of, you know, needing someone comfort me, somebody help me, someone, you know, affirm me, someone accept me, instead of giving off that, that sense, because whether you like it or not, if you're not getting your needs met subconsciously, you're going to be trying to draw it from elsewhere. And God wants to so overflow you. He is so jealous to give you what you, he wants to wake you up and see what he's got available. He says, this table I've laid out for you, he says, it is so going to delight your heart. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. In, in my presence, there is fullness of joy. So in any area of your life where there isn't fullness of joy, he says, I have got it for you. I want to release it to you. I'm going to release a revelation that's going to cause your heart to sparkle and sing. I'm going to make the harp in your heart resonate with joy if you'll simply come to me and eat what I've got for you. Hapa. God's created you to resonate at the, very, at the very littlest sound of his voice. But he says, I have got so much love for you, you are going to have to pray for spiritual strengthening to be able to comprehend this. He says, if you think you've tasted of my love, he says, you, you haven't seen anything yet. I, I, I need you to pray. This is what I want you to do. Pray for the Holy Spirit. This is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. Pray that the Holy Spirit will strengthen you on your inside so that you can handle how much I'm going to play on your harp and make your heart sing with joy and overwhelm you with joy. I want to so reveal love to you. I want to show you the height and the depth and the width and the breadth and you cannot possibly cope with this unless you get supernatural help. He wants to overwhelm you to the point that, ah, you are speechless and overflowing and come out radiant and shining. The Bible tells us those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. In his light, we see light. Oh. He wants to make you aware, fully aware of who you are so that everywhere you go, you are manifesting the very one that you have just been fellowshipping with. You, you, you don't become like somebody who, who's seen yourself in a mirror and walked away and forgotten what you looked like. You, you walk away reflecting the one that you are beholding. Amen? Filled up to overflowing with all the fullness of God. God is so desiring to, to share your life with you. You know, he wants to lie down with you when you go to sleep. He wants, he wants you to be aware that he is with you in every situation. And he's wanting us to become more and more, increasingly more aware that we are not, you know, these, these people who are giving it a good go and really trying and, you know, surviving. He's wanting to pick you right up, up into the heavenlies, just like I saw tonight, and say, come with me. Let's go together. You and me, he's drawn us after him. And now he says, let's run together. 
Instead of being afraid, you're not going to see the fulfillment of your destiny and worrying, oh God, how's it going to happen and when's it going to happen? He says, let me show you how much I love you. And my perfect love will so cast out fear that you won't even be thinking that way. I want to radically change your thinking. I want you to become aware of the fact that it is a done deal because you are in me. I'll preach to you, Jenny. Shakabaha. <laughs> because so many people walk around in this cloud like with a, with a worry and a fear. You know, am I gonna am I gonna fulfill all that God's got for me? Am I am I gonna see the breakthrough? Am I gonna see, uh, you know, whatever it is you're praying for and 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 crying out to? Am I gonna see this? Um, His perfect love is what will cast out that fear. And if you are going around and and going to this person and that person, hoping to get some, you know, some answer, can you help me? Do you think God's gonna do this for me? Have you got a prophetic word for me? Da 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 then God, he doesn't, he doesn't despise you. He doesn't get angry at you. We are to encourage one another, but he is jealous for you. He says, they cannot do what I want to do. They're like secondhand messengers. It's like someone telling me, oh, Tom sends you a kiss. It's like, that's nice. There's a whole lot nicer if it's in person. Let's be real. God is wanting to love you lavishly, personally. He wants to radically overwhelm you with his goodness. Hallelujah. He, you know, he has got deeper and deeper revelations and encounters with his glory and with his person. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This awakening and this awareness that he is bringing us into This awareness is the way, Jesus, the way, showing us, Jesus, the truth, showing us the way to life. Jesus, who is truth, is revealing to us the way to live. And the way that we live has for too long been filtered through our cultural understanding of what Christianity looks like. He is shaking it and shifting our our perception. He's... You know, for so long we've, we've filtered what a Christian life looks like through what we have known and what we have seen. And the Lord's saying, now I want to come. Here I am, the spirit of truth, me, myself, Jesus, truth, standing here and suddenly your eyes get opened. And he's saying, now I want to show you the way to life. I want to show you the way to live. This is what we are in now. You know, we're not hearing about it secondhand. The truth is here. Jesus is here, and he's saying, if you, whoa, if you will simply come and start eating of my table, if you will come and start giving me your focus and your attention, I'm going to show you the way to live. Hallelujah. And the way to live is a whole lot different to what many of us have even had a paradigm for. God is so wanting to to change us that every time we walk out, every time we get up, in every person that we speak to, we're speaking to them knowing and aware because he's just told us, he's just reminded us, we've just been looking at who he is. Oh, he's patient, he's so incredibly full of love, he's so amazing. And I go out and I and I'm knowing an awareness in myself when I'm dealing with anybody, I am patience. I am kind because as he is 
So am I in this world. Uh, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. Who is he? Who is he? Jesus is wanting so much to bring a new revelation of who he is that would cause us to, to take it from just an internal thing to becoming an outward expression. God is releasing the manifestation of the sons of God. He's coming to manifest himself, awakening people to begin to recognize that you are sons and daughters of the Most High and that as he is, so are you in this world. Therefore, when people encounter you, they are encountering the very presence of God. Therefore, there is nothing lacking in you when you recognize and you awaken. Ephesians chapter 1, that you might have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him so that you'd know the hope of your calling. As you get to know who he is, you suddenly become aware of the hope of your calling. Whoa. This is good. This is good truth because this truth, as you begin to know who he is, you begin to manifest. You begin to live differently. Instead of feeling like I've got to just, you know, I've got to comfort myself. I've got to give myself, you know, I've got to, uh, you know, and, and walk around with a sense of, of victimhood in any way, shape or form is a deception. In anything where we are not overflowing with joy, anything where we're feeling like I need this and I need that, God is, God is wanting to reveal to you that he wants to be more than enough for you. You know, I... I I know that the most hotly contested area of my life and your life is and probably will always be your time face-to-face with Jesus. Because if he can stop you beholding him, he can deceive you into believing that suddenly maybe you are who you used to be and you're just trying to be good, trying to be with him. He wants to bring in a condemnation that will cause you to be heavy and cause you to forget who you are. We need we forgetful bunch. We need daily reminders. Because we live in a fallen world. You know, though, when, we, when we're born, we're born with a corrupt nature. Out of, out of Adam and Eve, we are born with a sinful nature. Yet when we are born again, hallelujah, we are born again of Jesus Christ. He is not sinful, hallelujah. He is perfect and pure and lovely. And now he's wanting to look at you and say, hey, come on, look at me because I'm your mirror. I think this is better than you're reacting. God's wanting you to look at at his face and say, ah, Jesus, everything I love about you, you have now given to me, hallelujah. All the virtues of who you are now live in me. See, if you actually believe that, you will be provoked to holiness. Just as he provokes us to worship, he provokes us to holiness. He provokes us to love and good deeds by showing us who we actually are. Hallelujah. 
It's, we are not people who are easily angered. We are not people, you know, if that's, if that's who you were, God wants to say that's not the truth about you anymore. I want to awaken you to the inheritance you've actually received in becoming the bride of Christ. I want to show you the, the reality, the truth of what, what it really means to have been born again. God is bringing revelation. He's bringing the church out of a deep slumber and today he's awakening her. Hallelujah. Father, we say thank you. We say yes and amen. You know, God has got encounters for you where he wants to put his arm around you. He wants to, he wants to reveal love to you more than you've ever even comprehended. I got a sense tonight that God was beginning to do something that's going to eclipse what he was doing back in you know, 90, 94, 95. I believe that the Holy Spirit is moving in such a powerful way. It's not going to be just renewal, but it's revival. Hallelujah. Genuine awakening. I, I believe the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, is here to awaken anybody who's willing to be kissed. The church of God's like a sleeping beauty. And Jesus is like Prince Charming. He wants to awaken you with a kiss. He'll awaken you with intimacy. If you begin to know him, begin to seek his face, he'll awaken you to truth that you, that you actually need spiritual help to comprehend because it's so amazing. Abba. Father, we say yes. We say yes, Jesus. You are so good.